Okay, let's all say uh, the Lord's Prayer together, please. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forevermore. Amen. Well, good evening, everybody. My name is Bishop Murray. I'd like to welcome you all for another Bible preaching. Tonight, my beloveds, tonight, my beloveds, we're going to be talking about between good and evil. Now, speaking as a Christian person, and obviously, with all due respect to all the religions that are in the world, um, as a Christian, you know, they say, we had our father Adam and our mother Eve in the Garden of Eden. And then, and then Eve was walking on her own in the garden, and then the snake, the devil, came and, sn and whispered in her ears, and he said, you can eat from this tree. What, what did God say to you? You can't eat from this tree? Yes, you can. Come on. He just doesn't want you to know everything. That's why he told you not to eat from that tree. So anyway, she ate and uh, she gave uh, her husband also to eat. And they broke God's word. And then they, were, they got kicked out. And from there on, trouble started happening in humanity. And some people start thought, you know, they, they say, well, what did our father Adam eat? Did, was it an apple tree or a fig tree or an apricot? Which one was it? And they argue which tree it was. My beloveds, all this, it's trying to tell us one thing. It's got nothing to do with apple, orange, or any tree. This is the story that we all need to learn a lesson from. In that garden, Eden, or paradise, paradise is a place of rest. Paradise is a place of rest. The opposite of paradise is hell. Hell is the place of unrest. I'm suffering there, I'm burning there, and that's why I can't rest. But paradise is a beautiful place, is a place where I can relax lay back and take it easy. And in that very place of rest, paradise, there were three persons there. There was God, there was me, and there was the devil. In that place of rest, three parties, God, me, and the devil. Now, our comfort 
and our rest is connected with God. Why? Because He is our Creator. And if God is at rest, so we will be at rest as well. But if He's not at rest, we can't have that rest in our lives. Now what made that uncomfort? Why are people in, in struggle and tribulations? Why? Because of the word freedom. Freedom. God is love. And in love, there is freedom and there is the will for you to choose this or that. You can't say to someone that I love you and yet don't give him a, a room to breathe. Like choke them all the time. I love you, but don't move. Don't talk. Don't walk. Don't go out. Don't come in. Don't. Don't. This is no life. This is hell. It's not paradise. This is hell. So how do you, how do you live love when you feel and, and live freedom? Now, because there is that freedom element, therefore, there is going to be different paths in our lives. This has got nothing to do with eating an, an apple tree or anything like that, guys. No. The place of rest, paradise, where God is. And God created us on His image and likeness. He is love. He's put love in us. He is free. He's put freedom in us. He has the will to do or not to do, to say or not to say. He put that will in us to select, to choose what we want to do in our lives. We have a choice of freedom in our lives. And that what causes all the hassle and the bustle and the headaches. Why? The only time where I start getting into trouble through love and freedom is when I do it my way. There is God and there is me. Hello, I'm here. You better pay attention and listen to me. So when I want to do it my way and start choosing things and I say it's either this way or the highway, that's when you start asking for trouble. God is good. But I am not sometimes. Or if I can say a lot of times. Where there is freedom, there is love. And where there is love, there is freedom. And because there is freedom, then there has to be a will for you to say, I choose this. You can't have a will unless you're free. Otherwise, you're a slave. If you just, just get ordered to do things and you, you have no choice, that is no freedom, that is no love, that is slavery. Would anyone accept to live in a slavery situation? Would you accept it to be a slave to someone? Would you? Or would you say, you should respect me as an individual, as a unique person? It would be a very offensive thing for someone to use me or treat me as a slave. Come here, go, stand, sit, open your mouth, shut your mouth, shut up, get lost. <laughs> that is no life. And then imagine that person comes back and says, 
but I love you. Oh, duh, I don't want this love, man. Keep it to yourself. You just told me off and then you come back and say, I love you. Give me a break. There's contradiction in what you say and what you do. So as individuals, we are created by God to be free and enjoy love. Therefore, because there is freedom, then that love has to be put to the test. The will comes into play. Are you with me so far? How do you know that so-and-so loves you when I put them to the test? Otherwise, I'll never find out. Just by saying some ele elegant words and beautiful speeches, that I won't buy it for nothing. Words are very easy and cheap to say, but deeds are very hard to achieve. You say you love me, but I want to see in the hard times that you're going to stick by me. Then I'm going to say that you really love me. I'm not just going to take your word for it. I want to see a follow-up of those words. I want to see some action as well. True or not? Husband and wife stand before the altar. They are getting married before the priest. And the priest comes and says, Would you take her in good times and bad times, in sickness and in health? And he shakes his head, yes, yes, yes. And after a little while she becomes sick, he comes and whinges and complains and he tells the entire world, I hate my life, I hate my wife. Well, you just said, and you gave your oath and you promised that you're going to stick by her in good times and in bad times. Now she is sick. Wouldn't you be there for her? Now, I want her when she cooks for me. I want her when she looks after me. I want her when she says nice things to me. Now I have to wash clean everything and she is just sleeping in that bed uh, saying I'm sick I'm sick well I'm sick of her as well that is no love is it because it when it's put to the test then I'll know who loves me and who doesn't when the going gets tough the tough gets going hard yaka that's an ad actually about um, <laughs> that's what I heard it from <laughs> Now, having said that, that wherever there is love, there has to be freedom. And because there is freedom, there has to be a choice and a decision making. Therefore, the will has to be there for you to say, yes, I want this. No, I don't want this. So Adam and Eve were put to the test because they were created on the image and likeness of God. They have the enjoyment of love and the choice in that freedom. So, God, the Lord God came to Adam. He said, Adam? He said, yes, master. He said, you see all these trees in the garden? Yes, God. I don't want you to, to uh, you can eat from all these trees. But you see the one over there? Yes, God. Don't eat from it. The day you eat from it, you shall die. Aha, uh -huh. that is a test. How do you find out what is good and what is evil by putting you to the test. I don't know what good is good and what evil is evil. I'll only find out when I get put to the test. Then I'll know this was good, this was bad. True or not? And because we know some of the things in our lives that are good and bad because of either previous experiences and advices by other people that are around us, or through the things that we've gone through ourselves and experienced for our lives. So when I went through this trial, I said, this was good, this was bad. I started to learn 
how to live a better life. I started to learn how to deal with myself, with people around me, and how to be good for my own benefit for the future. But without a test, I'll never find out how good or bad I am and the people that are around me. So, instead of whinging and complaining about trials and obstacles, thank God for it because it purifies you, it shows you the way, it teaches you a much deeper understanding and perception of life and, and the right way we should really look at life and live that life. We thank God for all those dark tunnels that we go through. Now let's go forward. Here we go. Genesis 2.9. Chapter 2, verse 9, it says, The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis 2.9. Tree of life was in the middle of the garden, and there was also the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So, the Holy Bible tells us that there were two trees. Well, actually, there was a third tree as well in there, which I'll tell you about. It says, in the middle, in the middle of the garden, in the middle of the garden, there was the tree of life. In the middle. Pay attention to the word middle. And there was also the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil, if you, if you think, if you really focus on it a little bit, it has two branches. Good is one branch, evil is the other branch. That's two branches. Let's go forward, please. Well, who is the tree of life? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Who is the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Me, you. So, which tree did Adam eat from? It was not apple. It was not orange. It was not anything. The tree of knowledge of good and evil is the word me. Me. I am the tree of good and the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life in the center, in the middle of the garden, is Jesus Christ himself. Now, forward. Now this is, let's read John, let's read John 17, 3, chapter 17, verse 3. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now the tree of knowledge of good and evil, we said, has two branches. One branch is good, and the other branch is evil. The tree of life also has two branches. The tree of life also has two branches. One is that they may know you, the only true God, is one branch, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, the other branch. So one branch is the true God, and the other branch is Jesus Christ. And the knowledge of good and evil is two branches, good and evil. So, 
good goes hand in hand with true God. Evil goes hand in hand with Jesus Christ. Now, I'll explain it to you. Still not there yet. So what do we say? There was two trees in the Garden of Eden. In the middle, in the center, in the middle of the Garden of Eden was the tree of life, who is Jesus Christ. And there was also the tree of knowledge of good and evil, who is me, the word me. Now, I said earlier that in that Garden of Eden, or in that paradise, the place of rest, there was three parties, God, me, and the devil. Now, let's put this in our life, our daily life, day to day. I'm living in this world, there is me, there is God, and there is the devil as well in my life. Whether you believe it or not, that is true. That is a fact. And the devil whispers all the time, or most of the time, into your ears and says, do this and do that. Now, when I come to do things on my ways, on my terms, the way I see it right, and I'm not going to listen to no one else, my start is going to be good, but my end is going to be bad or evil. I am the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So what is me? Knowledge. What is a human being? Is is a matter of knowledge. I am all knowledge. If I don't know nothing, then I don't have any place. I don't have any respect. Why do people respect doctors? Why do people respect that are, you know, people that are educated? Because of their knowledge. That knowledge makes the difference. And also, that knowledge teaches you on how to live your life and how to deal with things when things go wrong or left or right. Without knowledge, I'll be lost. But not every knowledge is good. So when I'm relying on myself, being stubborn, in other words, and want to do things my way, my start is what? Good, but my end is very bad. We have a lot of young boys and girls. It is extremely hard from experience I'm talking because I mix with a lot of young boys and girls. And when I say young, I'm talking about teenagers and I'm talking about in their 20s and I'm talking about in their 30s as well. For me, that's youth. Teenagers, 20s and 30s. So, when I talk especially to teenagers, especially to teenagers, and I like even those who are in their 20s, but especially the teenagers, and I want you to listen to this, you are my sons and daughters, especially the teenagers, it is extremely difficult, extremely difficult to tell them or to make them accept what you are trying to tell them. I come to a guy and I say, what you're doing is wrong. Oh my goodness. You don't know nothing. I'm not going to you anymore. I'm not going to open up my mouth again and talk to you. Mate, you're an old-fashioned. You're too... You're an Apple Macintosh. Old-fashioned. You come to the girls. Uh, the girls. Teenagers in general, whether boys or girls, they like to go out 
they like to dress up, whether short or tall or whatever, and they like to put on a lot of makeup and spend hours before the mirrors, and you see the powder and the undercoat and, and the paint going up and down, and then the, and then the eyebrows going like a wave, you know? Uh, the eyelashes, I should say. The eyelashes like about a meter long, and then when they close and open their eyes, it's like high beams and low beams going. And, and then these coloring pencils with the lines and the fake eyebrows, you know? What have you done? I just shaved my eyebrows and I just put a tattoo. I want to rub it off. It doesn't come off anymore. Fair income. You look absolutely shocking. <laughs> no, just kidding. But that's what they like. The last thing a teenager wants is to put him in a church, listen to this priest going and coming and saying a few hymns, left, right and center, and say, may the Lord Jesus bless you, go in peace, and don't, I don't want to see your faces again, whatever. But that's the last thing. They're sitting in the church, they're thinking on a beautiful summer day, oh, I'm at Bondi Beach, brother, it's beautiful. <laughs> Having some Mackeys. Wouldn't that be great? That would be paradise. Man, I'm sitting in this church. I don't, I don't even understand what this guy is saying. And I'm just daydreaming. Driving this car with a Sabufa satellite dish in the backseat. <laughs> so imagine... You come to, a, to your son or to your daughter and say, Son, daughter, it is Sunday. We need to be in the church at 9 o'clock. I just woke you up at 8. You just came home at 7.99 FM radio station. They just walked in and mom wants to take them to church. They just want to strangle mama. Give me a break, mom. I'm, st I'm still living my life. Give me some breather. When I become old like you, now that's a bad statement. When I become old like you, mom, then I'll start going to church. But I'm a teenager. Leave me alone. I want to be free. I want to serve. Isn't that true? That's why you're laughing. True or not? Yeah, you come to the guys. We go and club him, brother. <laughs> Let's go downtown. Like, imagine like Marmari calls you. and say, oh, great. Here we go. My son, what are you doing? Um, this is not right. This is right. Oh, man. Not another, another lecture. Oh, my goodness. And then you, one of your buddies, you know, calls you. What are you doing, mate? Nothing, mate. You want to go somewhere, you know? We, you know, wheeling and reeling and mm. get into this V8, brother. It's a nice convertible and we get some shielders on board, right? <laughs> Where are you going? Uh, we're just going to go, man. We hit, we hit the city, man, downtown, brother. It's, what time is it? It's one o'clock in the morning. It's too early, mate. Come on. <laughs> the party hasn't started yet. And then you drive in the city at 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock, and you see some people going, Hey, go, brother. 
and then all these pubs and clubs and discos and 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 all these some people are dressed up some are not at all <laughs> And you see some widows, you know, guys with guys and girls with girls, you know what I mean? Oops, it's recorded, great stuff. So it's, it's kind of... It just clicked now. It's the underworld, brother. That's what you got to experience. This is what life is all about for a young boy and a young girl. I want to prove myself. I want to see what is good out there and what is bad out there. I don't want to just sit at home and just watch home and away or something like that you know and neighbors oh that's an old one yeah and then my mom says come and clean come and wash come and cook come and take this vacuum and go and do and then my dad says go and clean my car well yeah and then when you're too young you say dad and mom wait till I grow a little bit older I'll fix you up <laughs> So, <clears throat> as a teenager, as a young boy and a girl, you, the last thing you want someone to chain you up and start giving you these lectures and shoving them down your throat. My son, don't mix with these guys. My son, when you go out, I want you home by 10 o'clock. Dad, 10 o'clock hasn't even started. Your watch is bahshika timing. <laughs> If you have forgotten that, this is the West. This is not Middle East Habibi. <laughs> so, they start giving you all these lectures and they say, this is right and this is wrong. Daughter, be careful, you know, it's a jungle out there. Don't just go with anyone, just smiles into your face and tells you some nice words. And then I love you and all this uh, cheap things, you know. I always say this, you know. Uh, by the way, uh, don't have boyfriends and girlfriends. It's wrong. Uh, but, uh, you know, a lot of young people like to do that. But as a girl, advice to you, as a girl, don't listen to these guys because they're telling you nothing but lies. They'll come and say, you are the most beautiful girl in the whole world I've ever seen. The biggest liar ever. <laughs> he hasn't. He hasn't seen Nita City Fairfield. <laughs> when did you get a chance to see the entire world to make a judgment like this? You are a liar. <laughs> and then she's going to turn to him and says, Your eyes are beautiful. Oh. <laughs> Ash on your head, Katma Brishach. So we like, as young people, we love, you know, easygoing things. No, not too much pressure on me, not being chained up. I want to feel free. I want to be free. Every time I want to go out, I don't need to write a, 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 you know, an assignment or an essay. I just want to pick, pack up myself and walk out whenever I want and come back again whenever I want. I want to live and enjoy this life of freedom. I want to experience this freedom. 
I want to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I want to do things my way. I am the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I want to experience things for myself. I don't want anyone to tell me what to do or what is right and what is wrong. Leave it alone, please. Give it a break. Let me find this for myself. Now, this is very dangerous. Very dangerous. Even though it may look absolutely good, very attractive offer, beautiful deal, but not everything that looks good is really good. Not every word that is said to you nicely is being said truthfully. You have to be patient, never ever rush into making a decision very easily. Because what comes easy goes very easy. Time proves a lot of things. Time proves who is good for you and who is bad for you. Time. And time is wisdom. Parents are older than you. They have spent 40, 50 years of their time learning about life. You better take an advice of a 40 year old than rather taking it from a 15, 16, 18, 19, 20 year old. There's a huge time difference and there is a huge gap in experiences of life. So take it from the experienced person, not from an amateur. When your car is broken, don't go and see a doctor because it is not logical for a doctor to fix your car, you need a mechanic. That's what is called common sense, logic. When you are a teenager, don't go and seek an advice from a teenager. It is not logical to get an advice from someone who is the same level as you are or maybe less experienced than you are. You need to seek someone of a much deeper knowledge of life than you. So, life looks good. I want to experience, I want to explore things and examine them and test them for myself. But, sometimes, finding out what life is all about can be for some of us too late to come back from the damage we have caused because of our lack of knowledge. King Solomon has written three books. The book of Proverbs talks about wisdom. The book of Ecclesiastes talks about the life of repentance, how to live a life of repentance. And the book of Song of Solomon, how to live the life of divine love. God and you as a relationship, one-on-one. -on -one. Now when it comes to the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of repentance, He's saying to all of us, guys, don't try for yourself and don't beat around the bushes. Don't take the hard way. Come and take a shortcut and come to me. I'll tell you what life is all about. You don't need to find out for yourself because I have beat you to it. I found out things that you wouldn't even dream of. I am very experienced. I've tried everything. I've tested everything. I had about a thousand wives. You want to know how girls behave? 
and deal with men and how they talk? Come to me. How many girlfriends did you have? 10, 20, 100? I had a thousand. I beat you. What are you? You're getting money from Centrelink? I was the king of Israel. The richest man on earth. You think you're smart? I got wisdom, not knowledge. I got wisdom from the Almighty God that no one before me got and no one after me got. So, you want to talk about health? Well, I had to be healthy to deal with a thousand women and run a nation and give advices to the whole country and the surrounding countries. I had to be healthy and strong. So, I was the healthiest, the strongest, the wisest, the richest. And I lived all my life, and at the end of my life, I wrote the book of Ecclesiastes of Repentance. You know what King Solomon said in the very beginning of his book? He said, everything under the sun and heaven is an absolute vain vanity, empty, and all is empty of empties. At the end, I did not leave nothing that I wanted to do that I didn't do. Everything that I desired to do, I did. Whatever my eye saw, I did. Whatever my heart wanted, I got. But at the end of my life, and I enjoyed life to the fullness of it, but at the end I said, everything is one big lie. One thing stays forever. True love. One thing, or I should say, one person remains forever the tree of life, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I am a vanity, I am empty, everything is a lie. It's like a dream. You know, um, when, I, when I see a dream, let's say I'm asleep and I'm, I'm seeing a dream. And let's say in that dream, I'm a king. I'm Barack Obama, President of the United States of America. Even though I'm better looking than him. Thanks, Barack. Um, but in that dream, I am Barack Obama, the President of the United States of America. Now, while I'm dreaming, for me, it's reality, isn't it? I'm not saying to myself that this is a dream, it's, it's not real. No, for me, that dream is reality. I am 100% the President of the United States of America. But while I believe that I am the President, the moment I wake up, oops, I thought I was who I was, but this was all one big lie. So what is my life on earth? Is a dream at the time I wake up. While I'm living in this, in this flesh, I say, I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll prepare this and I'll break this one's head and I'll take this and I'll buy this and I'll knock this down and I'll, do, I'll, I'll, I'll show them who I am. And the moment I wake up from this life, this dream, when my spirit leaves the body, everything that I was thinking of was just a dream. Gone. So, is life just about having fun? No. Is life, was, was, was life created 
for me just to do the things I want to do? No. What is the purpose of me on life? I got to find out. It did it come as a fluke? Of course not. Evolution? Chop that down, the gurgler baby. So life, life is not just about me. No. Actually, life has is, is got nothing to do with me. Life is about one who says, I am the light of the world. That's what life is all about. Life revolves around Jesus of Nazareth. This is the truth. Everything else is a dream. When I wake up, I am a dream. I'm gone. Finito. I'm no longer in this life. But Christ is the resurrected one who is and will always be the living Messiah. So, but as a, young, as a youngster, it's very hard for me to understand what Bishop Murray is saying. Because I'm not his age, I haven't experienced life as he did, so that's why I'm not going to listen to him. I'll just do whatever I want, and then when I grow older, then I'll start thinking about what he said. But you can't guarantee that you're going to come back and do what Bishop Murray has told you, or had told you 10 years ago. There's no guarantee. So you want to have a guarantee, you better start thinking about it now. And start changing now. And start doing the right things now. Don't rely on yourself. Don't say some, one thing to your dad and do another thing. Don't lie to your parents. Don't cheat. Don't go and do things. Don't, when you are at school, behave. When you are at work, do the right thing by your boss. Do the right thing by your work colleagues. When you are a parent, do good by your family. And when you are a child in that family, be a responsible and a sensible person to your family. And above all, be good to Jesus Christ, who is the only good shepherd. So, but what's happening? When, when we don't listen, when we don't pay attention, and we start eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that means relying on me. The tree of knowledge of good and evil is me. When I start doing things my way, the start is good, but rest assured, 100%, the end is terribly shocking. The first time I go out with friends, first time ever, my parents said, don't go out. I made up a story. I lied to them just so that I can go where I want to go. So I went out with those people called friends. The first time was a little bit awkward. Maybe I'm not used to people say foul language, swear words. I'm not used to people taking drugs. I'm not used to people drinking and being drunk. I'm not used to people punching each other. This for me is news. But then I went back home and then I thought about it. I said, well, maybe it's too early to make a decision. I'm going to try to go again and again and again. Maybe uh, it's not that bad after all, just because I'm not experienced enough. But you know what? It was fun anyway. So I go out again and again, yet I'm still lying. And let's not use the word lie, but I'm not telling the truth story to my parents 
And in English they say, practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. Now the tenth time you go, you start settling down a bit. The hundredth time you go, you'll be the master teacher of swear words. You'll just open a primary pre, uh, high school and university how to teach people how to swear. The first drink he had was terribly tasting drink. But the 50th glass you have, you'll say, this is the best drink ever. Scotch on the rock, brother. Shove it down the gurgler and knock your head on the gutter. <laughs> the first cigarette you had, you started coughing a lot and it was terrible. You felt the pain and all that. But if you keep on going, you'll start smoking one pack, two packs, and you'll say, I can't do without it. This actually makes my mind go smooth. And the first time you deal with drugs, you're scared, nervous, sweating. But if you continue with that, it is no problem. It is no problem. The beginning is good, but the end is bad. 100%. You may go with people so that you start punching and hitting people and you say, Oh, well, this is fun. I just bashed him up. I broke his nose. Yeah, brother. He had a big nose anyway. He needed a plastic surgery. So I fixed it up for him. I told him to go, to go, he didn't do it, I, I did it the hard way. He's got no choice to go and have some chiseling happening to his nose now. So, but, when I go and visit these prisons, and I see teenagers in prison, because they mixed with the wrong bunch of people, for them it was really good at the time. But now when I go and see them in that jail, in maximum security prison, it is no fun. It is not good at all. So where was that good? Ah, because you did it your way. You ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Me, I did it my way. So I started, was really good. But my end is 100% is going to be bad when I do it my way, not Jesus' way. And by the way, what goes around comes around. What goes around comes around. I don't, know, I don't want to dwell on it. I think you've got the idea now. You want to be treated good? You better start treating people good. You want to have a, a prosperous and a bright future? You better start preparing for it now. You want to have a good retirement and with good superannuation? You better have a good job that will guarantee for you that good retirement and peace of mind and something good for the rest of your retirement age. Plan for it now. Don't wait because he can't guarantee that you will achieve it later on. Do it now. Jesus says, when you hear, I'm standing outside knocking on your door. If you, he who hears my knock and opens the door, I will enter and I will have dinner with him and he with me. I will dine with him and he with me. If you hear Jesus calling you, don't wait. Don't say, I'll leave it later. 
I don't have the time now, uh, maybe tomorrow, because there's no guarantee that tomorrow is going to come. And even if tomorrow comes, you're not going to be the same readiness as you are now. Do it while you are feeling the presence of Christ in your life. Wake up, stand up, and go the extra mile for the Messiah who died for you on the cross to save you. But why do we want to enjoy doing all the wrong things? Because there is the little devil over there putting ideas in our heads and, and, making, it, and, and making it look good. But it's all fake. There is nothing good outside Jesus. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And there's no one else and nothing else good but me, Christ. So what we need to do is come back to our senses and say, Lord, I tried it my way. And every time I did it my way, I stuffed up. I either ended up by hurting someone, I either ended up by hurting myself and the people around me, and instead of achieving something good, I actually destroyed something good. So from now on, Lord, I've tried it, but I failed. From now on, Lord, I'm going to listen to you through Bishop Murray. It's not Bishop Murray talking, it is you, Lord, talking to me now. It is your voice calling you, saying, my son and my daughter, come back to me. If you are thinking of doing something that you believe is not approved by Jesus, stop. Don't go. No matter who tells you or who whispers in your ear, don't do it. Jesus loves you. Come back. Come back to me. It is not worth it to do something outside Jesus' approval. It's not worth it. It may look good for you at the start, but rest assured it's going to be bad at the end. You need Christ. You can't do it. Give Him your heart. Say, Lord, you do it for me. I am a weak instrument, but you are the Almighty God. I'm coming, and I am admitting that I can't do it. And not only I can't do it, I failed in the things that I wanted to do and I thought I was able to do, but I couldn't do it. I thought I was going to be successful in my job, but I failed. I thought I was going to be successful at school, but I failed. I thought I was going to be successful at work, but I failed. I thought I was going to be successful at home, but I failed. Whether I was a husband, I was a wife, I was a father, I was a mother, I was a brother, sister, daughter. I failed because I did it on my own. And when I do it on my own, I'm walking blind. And don't say a blind person knows where they're heading. He can't see the way. Jesus is the way. And He is the light for that way. Without Him, I'm blind. Without Him, I'm lost. I don't have a way to walk in. We are made out of body, soul, and spirit. Some people say, why God is allowing for evil things to happen in the world? Where is this good God that you talk about? How come people are starving and they're dying from starvation in Africa? Why all these wars? America went into Iraq and destroyed millions of lives. And all these wars and the troubles and people blowing themselves up, killing innocent people, children being left without parents, in the street, homeless. 
where is this good God? Why is there too much evil if there is an, uh, this almighty God who is in control, who is the sovereign almighty God? Where is he then? Well, hello. God is good. He's always good. And everything he's done and is doing is always good. But I'm not good when I'm doing it my way because he created me on his image and likeness. I have that freedom of choice. Which he gave me. And God is not going to go against his work. Whatever is in him has put in us. There is no greater love than this. To give himself for us. No one can love us more than what Jesus did. Because Jesus died for me and you. Will you die for someone else? Impossible. But Jesus did with a big smile on his face. He did it willingly. And even if I die for someone else... I'll probably die unwillingly. But Jesus walked the distance with happiness. He ran for it. Because He's true love. He's true love. So, my beloved, we are made out of body, soul, and spirit. Now, listen to this. The tree of life, who is Jesus Christ, was in the middle of the garden. Now the word middle does not mean like in the center of a, of a, of a place. No, was in the middle of your thinking, of your heart, of your soul, of your entire being. Is Jesus Christ in the middle of your life? That means... Is He the center and the focus of your life? Is the tree of life everything for you? Is He all your life? All? Or is your life revolving around Him because He, is, he should be the center? What is in your mind? What is in the center? That means what is getting the attention of your thinking? Good things or bad things? What goes in your head? What's in your heart? What grabs the attention of your heart? Your feelings, your emotions? What are you thinking of? That is the center. You understand? That's what the center means here. What are you dwelling on? What are you focusing on? What are you thinking of doing? This is the center. But... The tree of life was Christ is supposed to be because he is the center of existence. He is the center of life. He is the center of goodness. He is the only focus of every creation because he is the creator. Now when I have Jesus as the center of my thinking, everything that comes out is going to be good. Because it is no longer I who thinks, it is Christ who thinks for me. And when I start seeing things, I'll start seeing them in a much better, much clearer, and much more beautiful picture than what I used to do before. Before I used to look at a person and hate their guts. Before I used to look at a person and I wanted to chop their heads off. But now, when Jesus, when I made Jesus the center of my life, when I look at that very bad, evil doer, I see a, go a creation of God then I start praying 
not despising or hating. God is sovereign or do we have a free will? So that means, does God do everything for us or do we actually choose for ourselves? Well, let's read this. When we talk about free will, we are usually concerned with the matter of salvation. So we have a free will when it comes to salvation. That means, I have a free will to say to Jesus, yes, come into my life. And I have a free will to say, Jesus, I don't want you in my life. And you can stop him. You can. C-A-N. The most powerful tool God gave to us is the will. The will can make you and the will can destroy you depending on who you are paying attention to. I can say to you, my son and my daughter, don't do this, this is wrong. If you're not going to listen to me, well, that was your will. You chose to say, I'm not going to listen to Bishop Murray. And then whatever happens to you, it's your Tough luck. Don't come and whinge and say, God, why did you do this to me? God didn't do it. I did it to myself because I didn't pay attention. If America doesn't throw those billion of tons of food in the ocean, all of Africa would all eat and there wouldn't be anyone starving. Now, did God say to America, don't give food to Africa? No, that was the will of a human, stubbing, egocentric person. Selfish. Why don't they give food? Because they want to make sure by destroying this person and killing this person, they remain in power. Selfishness. They walk in the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They are doing things their way. But there is a time they'll have to pay for it. And look what's happening to America. Economy is down. Tribulations. And then when a cyclone comes and an earthquake comes, they say, oh, that was Mother Nature. Give me a break. Who created that Mother Nature? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Do you think that Jesus, if he says to the land, don't move, is going to move? No way in the entire world, no matter those tablets are God's creation. Scientists, all they do is talk what they know. Poor things. You know, with all due respect. Uh, you know, there was this, you know, this tablet here sort of shifted a little bit and kicked with the other one and then went up. And by this movement, there was a big earthquake and then a tidal wave came uh, about 30 meters high and killed the tsunami that happened in 2004, killed 250,000 people in half an hour. Mother Nature, give me a break, mate. This is the sins of people coming back to haunt them. This earthquake is all the evilness that is happening in the world that God has got nothing to do with us and with it. Got nothing to do with it. Guys, one day, this guy was, was introduced, uh, actually was called for a TV interview. And it was broadcast live. It was not pre-recorded. It was live. So this guy came, has no idea what, what questions this interviewer are going to ask him. And it's live. He walks in. He sits at the table. And right in front, opposite him, is another person. Now, the show is on. It's live. Can't stop it. Can't come back. 
And during that show, late, uh, later on, he finds out that the guy opposite to him, in front of him, is an atheist. And then that atheist, during the interview, says to this Christian guy, he said, I have a question for you as a Christian. You guys Christians. Say, yeah. He said, you Christians say that the blood of Jesus Christ washes away the sins of the world, fixes everything. My question to you, so-and-so, isn't, isn't, isn't the world getting worse and worse? Isn't evil increasing in this world? But you guys say that the blood of Jesus Christ washes away the sins of the world, but the world is getting worse and worse and worse day by day. Isn't that true? He said, yes, that's true. He said, well, what's your answer to this? He's trying to prove this Christian wrong live on, on national TV. This Christian guy, Jesus says, do not be troubled on what to answer back because it's the spirit of your father will answer back that no one can answer back to you because the wisdom of God is talking. He said, my friend, I ask you a question. The Christian guy is now talking. He said, there is one thing in the world called soap. But also there is a lot of dirty people in the world as well. He said, if you work in a soap factory, and that soap bar is within reach of your, uh, of your hand, but if you don't take that soap and apply it on your body, no matter how much you spend time working in that factory, you will always be dirty. He said, it's exactly the same, my friend. The world is full of sinners. And the blood of the Lamb of God is to wash away the sins of the world. But if they don't apply that blood on them, they will never be clean. That is why the world is in tribulation, is in filth, is in sin. Because they have not acknowledged the Lamb of God as their Lord and Savior. Now this guy walks out, finishes the interview. The atheist guy comes running. He's going to his car. And all of a sudden he feels a tap on the, shoulder, on the back shoulder here. He turns and he sees that atheist. He says, my friend, I have met a lot of Christian preachers, but they are, compared to you, they are all amateurs. You are a professional. I never heard anyone telling me such an answer like that. Wow, that was very awesome. So... There is a lot of evil in the world. Where is God? Well, God is here in your heart, in your life. In... He is the breath of your life. Acknowledge Him. Evil is going to be gone. You have the will to say yes to good or to say yes to evil. You have the will. It's not God. It's in your hand. The moment you say, Lord, save me, He's there. He's already gave you the salvation before you ask for it. But He's all, only He's waiting to, for you to use your freedom of choice and say, Lord, I freely want to be with you. But before you say it, He's going to be there for you. It's very easy, but yet very hard for a lot of people, unfortunately. So when we talk about, are we free? 
we need to talk about the, what, whatever concerns our salvation. Don't say, am I free to eat pota potato or am I, am I free to eat Macca's or shall I take a fish burger? Mate, you want to, you have, don't talk about food as far as your freedom or your free will. But you talk about your free will when it comes to your own salvation, your eternity. This is in your hand. Eternity is in your hand, not in God's hand, by the way. Because God already gave you eternity. He says, now it's up to you. You want to live with me or not? You know what? Can God bring every single human being that came and is, and, and is already here and will come into his kingdom? He can. By force, he can do it. He is, he is the almighty God. But you know what? If he does it by force, can you force someone that doesn't love you to live with you? That is hell, even if it's paradise. Imagine living with someone you don't love, but you are forced to live with that someone. That is an absolute disaster. You can't stand it. It's hell on its own. But when you love someone, wouldn't you want to give everything just to be with that someone? Absolutely. Jesus wants you freely to say, Lord, I love you and I want to live with you. He doesn't want to do it by force. He can, but it's no use to do it by force. Because he knows, even if he forces you into his kingdom, you'll never love him. And if you don't love him, you can't be good to him. How can you be good to someone that you don't love? How can you work for someone that you don't care about? How can you do that extra things for the, that someone that has not taken your heart, your mind? That is why, my beloved Saint Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, he says three things remain in every one of us. Three things, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Three things remain in every one of us is that faith, hope, and love. But my friends, the greatest of all is love because God is love. And it's with capital letters, L-O-V-E. Now why? When I'm on earth, I need the three. But when I'm in heaven, I only need one of them. On earth, I need hope. What is hope? When I ask a Christian, what are you hoping for? As a true Christian, I'll say, I'm hoping... To enter God's kingdom. This is my hope. To be where God is. That's my hope. Beautiful. What is your faith? My faith is to, to sit at the right hand side of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. To be the heir of the kingdom. The inheritor of that kingdom. And the throne. My faith is to be the child of God. Now, when you make it to God's kingdom. You don't need hope. Because your hope was to be there, you are already there. So what you were hoping for, you got. And what you were believing in sitting at the right hand side, you are already sitting there. So you don't need that hope and that faith. But to remain in that kingdom with Christ, you need love. Without love, you can't stay there. It is not by force. But you can't live with someone that you cannot love. Uh, let's continue with this one. Guys, very briefly, very briefly, listen to this. Why does God allow bad things happen to good people? Do we ask that? Oh, but that's a good person. Why is he suffering? Why is she suffering? Look, 
He's done all good things in their life and they got cancer. My goodness, why couldn't this, this brunette ayah, this son of so-and-so, how come cancer came to this good person and died? And this... Anyway, look at this. Why does God allow bad things happen to good people? Now, there's a beautiful story about Job. Now, the book of Job in the Old Testament, I'm just going to read for you. Uh, this is one of the most difficult questions in all of theology. God is eternal, infinite, omnis omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. That means God is eternal, infinite, no beginning, no end. Um, om omnis is his all knowledge. He knows everything. Omnipresent, he is present in all times at, at the same time. He is omnipotent, he is in control of everything. Now, why should human beings not, uh, why should human beings not eternal, infinite, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, opposite to God, ex uh, expect to be able to fully understand God's ways? We can't fully understand God's ways because we are not as big as He is. We are not as knowledgeable as He is. That's why we need to trust in this almighty God knowing of everything and all things. We need to trust in Him. Now listen to this, guys. Why, do, why does God allow bad things happen to good people? Now, there was a good person in the Old Testament called Job. Now, the book of Job deals with this issue. God had allowed Satan to do everything he wanted to Job except kill him. What was Job's reaction? Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. No matter what happens, what bad things happen to me, Job is saying, I will hope in him, i.e. God. Job 13, 15. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Job 1, 21. Man, this is a man of God. Says, no matter what happens to me, I will thank God. When I'm in good times and in bad times, He is all praised and all worshipped. He gave and He has the right to take away. Let His name be praised in everything He gave me and in everything He took away from me. Can you find any better than, person than this? But God permitted the devil to punch the daylight out of this guy. But God, I'm praying to you. I'm being good to you. Why you allow this devil to come and punch the daylight out of me? But you know what? We forgot one thing. There is no human being good except God. What was Job's mistake? Aha! Uh -huh. He thought he was righteous, righteous in his own eyes. He saw himself righteous in his own eyes. He did not accept the righteousness of God given to him as a free gift on the, on the cross. What was Job's mistake? When Job used to give an offering to God, he had a wife and I think 11 or 12 children. Sorry if I'm, I'm getting old. He would offer that sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins according to the Old Testament by slaying a, a sheep or a goat or whatever. So he would offer that sacrifice to his wife and to all of his children, but not to him. 
Why? Because he thought he was sinless. No sin. He was perfect. But there's no one perfect but God. So he had a huge sin. But he didn't want to acknowledge it. God sent him some friends. Friends talk to him. He is always praising God. And friends telling him off. And he's always praising God. And until God had no choice but to give him to the devil. To punch the daylight out of him. And when one of those friends pointed the finger at Job and said, You are a sinner as well. He became a nuclear weapon going off. How dare you to tell me I am bad. Don't we all do that? Who are you to tell me what to do? I'll fix you up. I know what I'm doing. How dare you tell me what I'm doing is wrong. I'll show you what is wrong and what is right. <coughs> when people touch the sensitive cord, me, when they touch my dignity and, and drag it on the street, oh no, anything but this. The moment you touch my dignity and my pride, I'll chop your head off. I don't care who you are. He can say whatever you like about anyone else, but don't point the finger at me and say, you're wrong. That was Job's mistake. But even though Job was wrong, God brought out of this bad good. What did he do? He gave, he said to the devil, but Job didn't know this. You got to trust in the Lord. You read it in the Bible later on, I don't have the time. God said to the devil, without Job knowing, he said, devil, all right, he's not paying attention to me, my son. He doesn't want to confess and acknowledge his sins. Fine, I've got no choice but to give him to you so you can punch him up a little bit. Trials, tribulations, dark tunnels, you know, that's the devil, right? Huh? But the Lord permits it because we are not listening to him. We don't want to do it the easy way, he's going to do it the hard way, but he won't let go of us. He'll bring you back because he died for you and shed his blood on the cross for you. He will not let go of you till the very last split second of your life. He will not let, you know, never let go of you. Jesus has never forgotten you, will never ever forget you. And he'll do the impossible to bring you back. Good, bad, easy way, hard way, he'll do it. He'll use any means, but as long as you are with him in the end, that's what matters. So I said to the devil, okay, he's my son, right? But he's not listening to me. He's a little bit naughty. I'm going to give you his body, but his spirit is in my hands. Job didn't know this. He went through very hard times. He lost his, his, his children were killed. He, the house gone. All the wealth that he had was gone, was gone. He was left and he got an illness. Termites started eating in his flesh. But he was still thanking God. But then at the end he realized that he needs to offer a sacrifice for his own salvation. But he realized through difficult trials. Which one do you want to do it? The easy way you come to Jesus or do you want him to use the hard way to bring you back? I believe do it the easy way and say, Lord, I'm here. Please take me with you. Don't leave me behind. 
Don't do it your way. And then you swim a kilometer in, 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 inside. And then you want to come back and you are swimming against the current. Don't come back when it's kind of too late. Come back now before it's too late. You can't guarantee what's going to happen tomorrow. Do it now. Job was given to the devil only his body, but the spirit was in the hands of the Almighty God. The devil couldn't do nothing. The devil bashed the daylight out of Job, but all this bashing up, all these hardships were purification for Job. Came out perfect, pure piece of gold. He was before dirty. Trust in the Lord when you go through hard times. Don't whinge. Don't complain. It is all good, my beloveds, when you have that almighty trust in the Lord. Finish it off. Finish it off. And you're going to say, thank God. <laughs> Finish it off. God did not create darkness. He created the light. Genesis 1.3. If you read Genesis 1, verse 3, God did not create darkness. Darkness is not a creation at all. God created the light. Now, where did darkness come from? Darkness is the absence of light. Scientists cannot measure darkness. They can only measure light. And through light, they can say how much there is darkness. Because it is not a creation. It is just an existence of something else's absence. Darkness is the absence of light. When light disappears, darkness comes on. But darkness is not a creation. God created light, and light is good. God is good, and all He does is good. Evil is the absence of God. Why there is too much evil in the world? Because God is absent in our lives. We pay attention to every John Smith, and we pay attention to everything and everyone except God. United Nations talks about human rights. Have you ever heard anyone on national television or anywhere speak and saying God's rights? Nobody talks about God's rights. They're going to stone him to death. But when you talk about human rights, they're going to worship you. Evil has taken away the world. Nobody talks about God. So evil is the absence of God in our lives. Death is the absence of life. Hell is the absence of paradise. Make sense? To sum it up, between good and evil is one fine line. Me denying myself. St. Paul said, I crucify myself on the cross so that I may live not I, but Christ who lives in me. So between two, say that I'm going to do good, I need to deny myself. What brings all the evil my way when I do it my way? But when I deny myself and live for Jesus, when I carry Christ and live for His glory, not my glory, when I do things His way, not my way, then believe you me, it is all going to be good, no matter what evil happens around you, because the Almighty Jesus is with you. 
Take Jesus with you wherever you go. Bring Christ to every dark place in this world. Don't do the things that Christ would disapprove of. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't go to wrong places. Don't mix with the wrong people. Don't have sheilers in the back seat with the sabufa habibi. Come and thank the Lord for everything that He has given you. Thank Him for the morning, for the sun that has risen and gave His light for you. Thank Him for this day because it's a brand new life written for you. Thank Him for the health. Thank Him for the family you have. Doesn't matter what's in there. Thank Him for it. Okay, let's all say uh, the Lord's Prayer together, please. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forevermore. Amen.